0: A listener production.
1: The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. We love getting your questions. Remember, email Adam, healthhacker at themanshake.com.au and also on his Manshake socials and the website, themanshake.com.au. Adam's always giving away prize packs for those people who get involved. On this episode, we are looking into something that I've noticed, and I think a lot of you are going to notice it too once I mention it. <laughs> It is pre-prepared meals. Adam, how are you, mate? I'm
0: great, mate. Yeah, it's a great uh, great question, Alex, and uh, something that I've noticed as well um, coming to different office spaces when I've gone in for meetings
1: and whatnot. And, um, yeah, it just seems to be a, a, a tsunami of uh, these packaged plastic meals. Tsunami is a great word, Adam. I was in the office and I work in an office with quite a lot of people and I noticed more and more and more People there are these little packs, right? All different brands. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what is this? And I start asking people, because this is why you and I do this podcast. We think, well, what what are people usually doing? What am I doing? What are we interested in? And how can we hack into it? And then they're like, oh, I'm on this thing because it's a pre-prepared meal. And, you know, I'm I'm trying to shred for my wedding. Okay, cool. (laughs) And I speak to someone else. Oh, mate, you know, got to drop a few kgs. I got these pre-prepared meals, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to shred for this. And I'm going like last time I ate something pre-prepared on an airplane, I didn't feel very well when I landed. And I, so I rang you and I said, mate, I reckon there's something in this. I wonder if these are good for you or they're bad for you, the pre-prepared meals. And that's what we're going to dive into.
0: Yeah. And I I must admit as well, I'm not feeling particularly healthy at the moment. I endeavoured on a, a couple of week deep dive into consuming these different brands of, uh, prepaid meals or pre-packaged meals, I should say. And, um, I held onto a lot of water. I put on a couple of kilos and it was all water, which was really interesting in itself because they're packed full of salt and sodium, which we'll get into in a minute. Okay. Um, I did get very, very, very hungry, um, which was really interesting in itself as well. (laughs) We'll dive into why that is. And you're right, this industry's exploded, you know. It's tipped to be a billion-dollar industry in the next couple of years. Mm. Um, It's growing at a, a huge rate of knots, you know, Given COVID and whatnot as well, yep. a lot of people stuck at home and they got bored. And they, people are busy too, and lazy, and you know, mm. and you know. Don't forget, these aren't a new invention though. Like the first prepackaged meal was invented in 1953. Yeah, and um,
1: <laughs> with the rise of the microwave, I'm sure.
0: Rise of the microwave, and you know, convenience is the number one reason why people have these prepackaged meals, which
1: is interesting. But I don't want to be a hater. I was looking at these things going, Adam, I genuinely am curious whether these are healthy for you or not, because I get it. Like, if someone can give you something that, you know, they're the expert, let's call it, right? And you hope that they are. Uh, Is this nutritionally sound? Is it the right portion that I need? Is it the right balance of carbohydrates, protein, salts, fats, all those things? So this is why I'm like, maybe they are great. Yeah. Well, look, the reality is
0: this, is that consumerism is driven by profit and- Profit is what drives these companies to do what they do, and uh, they're just answering the needs of the consumers at the moment. Consumers' number one reason for using these meals isn't to be healthy, Alex. Mm. That's down the list. So when you consider that convenience is their number one need they're trying to fulfill, a big tick. You can't argue with the fact that you can throw something in a little plastic box in a microwave, Press a few buttons, walk away, come back, and then you've got a meal, which you know is hyperpalatable, which means it's you know very tasty because it's a combination of high fat, high sugar, and you know that's what we call the bliss point. Yeah, that combination, as a food scientist, you know, will tell you that that's what they're looking to do is actually give you that deadly double of sugar and fat combined, mm. which lights up the the brain, neurotransmitters for pleasure, reward, dopamine, serotonin, you name before. it. So.
1: it kind of reminds the brain of breast milk, doesn't it? Yeah, that, yeah. that's
0: ideally. You know, we're here to survive and not so much for I've, you know, it's all about, you know, seeking out high calorie, dense foods, because they provide lots of energy. So that's what we really want as human beings. We haven't evolved, our bodies haven't evolved from millions of years ago mm. to where we are today very much, you know, from a DNA perspective and, you know, but our lifestyles have dramatically changed. So, you know, when you go through the list of why people use these meals, it's for convenience, you know, it's to try new meals, which is interesting in itself. To be healthier then was third on the list. To lose weight was fourth on the list. Only 12% of people wanted to lose weight, which is a good thing because good luck trying to lose weight with a lot of these meals. Oh, okay, right. Um, Saving money was 8%, so I can tell you now they're bloody wasting their time there. When you consider the average, you know, little packaged meal is about $10 on average across these different brands and no washing up come in a a last. Uh, But uh, it certainly ticks a box. (laughs) That
1: that one, I'd tick that one. Yeah. 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 And
0: you've got to also look at the the demographics that these meals are really being consumed by and that's largely, you know, younger single people Um. because, you know, let's be honest, you're not going to whack six plastic trays in a microwave to feed the whole family. Yeah. Um, but that's where we'll dive into it a bit later. There are some other great options which I I believe in more, which promote uh, cooking. Because as I always say, you know, you teach a man how to fish, uh, you feed him for life. You yep. know, you give him a fish, you feed him for one day. Yep. So, yeah, you know, the greatest way to take control of your health is really learning how to cook. And then if you can't cook, learning how to read a nutritional information panel yes. <laughs> and seeing what the ingredients yep. you know are in each single product that you buy and that's in a package. So, if we want to start off with the bad, let's be honest. Um, There's actually been research done by universities, which blew my mind. And, um, you know, there was an article and a research study that was published called The Consumption of Ready-Made Meals and Increased Risk of Obesity, Findings from the Observation of Cardiovascular Risk Factors in Luxembourg Study. So... It was a a very good study, this one, and they basically found, in a nutshell, that increased consumption of ready made meals um, was associated with increased abdominal obesity.
1: Yeah. That's the gut fat. The gut
0: fat, which is Uh, the visceral fat, which is the the toxic.
1: You you told me that time we did that episode, you're talking about how it leaches toxins into your body. And ever since then, I've just gone, oh, I feel sick thinking about it. It's
0: an endocrine um, organ. Some people argue that it's actually something that,
1: you know, is. uh, Check out an episode about belly fat we did. We go deep into that one.
0: So, yeah, that, that was really interesting in itself. And um, the other interesting thing was the consumption of ready-made meals can be linked to adverse health outcomes, particularly metabolic obesity, through plausible mechanisms, which are largely the, the, the ingredients in the food. They're very high in sugar, salt, saturated fats, a lot of these meals. High in, let's not miss the big one as well, starchy carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see that a lot in a lot of these foods. Um, when you buy these ready-to-make meals, they're usually a pasta or a rice dish of some description because, you know, let's not. We said it before; it's all about the dollar. Yeah, Um, you know, be cheap to to make pasta. Well, it's cheap to make a cup of rice, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, really, really interesting. So that 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 study in itself, to me, just was like, wow. You know, there's actually now a scientific link, which goes back to you know another study as well, which um, was in the British uh, Medical Journal, which basically showed everybody how dangerous processed foods were. And um, you know, they they did a study, for example, in Spain, that those that were eating four or more servings a day of of processed foods of any type. Had an association of a 62% higher risk of death compared to those that just ate two servings. <laughs> so, so, when you think of it, that's bloody scary, isn't it? Because yeah. Yeah, anything in a package is arguably processed. So, if you're eating anything that comes in a pack, which is by definition what they call a processed food, uh-huh. um, you're eating a couple of these meals a day and you know, a few snacks here and there out of a pack, yeah. you're at that four servings a day and Mm. you've got a 62% higher risk of bloody death, which is terrifying in itself. So, look, I'm not here to – look, there's some really, you know, plausible and and smart ways to buy some of these pre-packaged meals, but the devil is in the detail, Alex. Mm. You know, I I talk about it in our business as well and the health industry as such. A lot of companies are very smart because we know that um, customers generally don't want to read the labels of food. They're very lazy. Like, we're lazy and that's, you know – that's understandable given, you know, lifestyle demands and pressures with, you know, how hectic our lives are these days. But um, the reality is, is that they look, use weasel words like, you know, healthy, organic, whatever they might be, gluten-free, mm. you know, lower in fat. We know these trick terms that they all use to basically... I suppose, to have that confirmation bias when we we really have confirmation bias. That's the problem. When we go to eat something, we want to believe it's healthy because it tastes good. Mm. But the, we don't want to be told it tastes bad. Yep. I mean, sorry, it's bad for us because it tastes so bloody good. Yeah. You want to justify it in your brain. Yeah. So um, the, these food manufacturers are very, very clever in what they do. And the reality is, is that they might have what I call a hero product. So the hero product might be this really healthy vegetable frozen meal, for example, and it's just a bit of dry meat with some broccoli. Yeah. And, oh, five-star health rating, you know, low-fat, low-carbohydrates, this is our product. How good is it for you? And then underneath it, these other weasel products sneak in, which are their hero products really in a sense from a consumer dollar because they're highly palatable. They're very addictive in mm. taste. Good profit margins because the first ingredient usually is sauce yeah. or you know, rice or pasta, which, equals, which costs a couple of yeah. cents to throw into a $10 meal. Yep. So where they get you is there. They, they lure you into this belief that, oh, these are healthy meals. Mm. But then when you actually look at the actual individual meals, that's what you need to do. You know, when you go to buy some of these meals on these sites, you know, Let's be honest. They're really just a convenient form of fast food that's been chilled, you know? I like,
1: think about that with yogurt. Hmm. They got the natural yogurt, and then the, and then all of a sudden they had the whole lineup of the vanilla and they got pictures of like r- vanilla beans and all yeah. that stuff. And you're like, that is anything with a flavor down the <laughs> down the line. I only know this from this podcast is then becoming sugar. Yeah. Like the banana one, all that stuff. Just you have to get the only ones, the natural ones. So I didn't think about that. The hero and then the weasels. That's a good way to look at it.
0: And you know, I I don't want to misquote certain studies, but there was a study recently, and I can't exactly recall the name of the study and and the exact detail. In
1: general terms. But
0: in general terms, this study was fascinating to me about once again confirmation bias. Essentially, what you believe is what you believe. So they took a milkshake and they put on one milkshake that it was a diet shake Mm -hmm. and they wrote the number of calories on it and it was like 150 calories. And then the other shake, it was called the indulgent shake Mm -hmm. and they put 680 calories on this shake. Mm -hmm. But it was exactly the same milkshake. Yeah, right. Just different labeling, right? So when the, the people come into the study to taste both shakes, they drank that shake and the next day they'd come back and pick the other shake, et cetera. And they then said to him, well, observationally, you know, what did you experience from drinking that milkshake? And they said, oh, well, the diet shake, you know, didn't taste very good. It didn't fill me up. I was really hungry after I had it. Great. And then where's the other one? Oh, that was so tasty. And, you know, I was really full. I couldn't finish it. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, you know, the power of suggestion. Yeah, power of that brain of yours. The power of that brain of yours is just mind-blowing. So exactly the same (laughs) ingredients, nutritional information, the exact same milkshake. But one was labeled a diet shake and the other one was labeled indulgent that. shake. I
1: can see why you're so pumped to oh, tell that was story. Oh, just like,
0: how good is this? Like, it yeah. just shows, you know, yeah. how people are so easily swayed by just what they believe or what they want to believe more importantly. So, you know, and look, we'll dive into like some of the great benefits of these products. However... What really lit my eyes up was when I was going to sort of immerse myself into this deep dive of this, you know, hacking into these meals and using them myself to experience so I could speak firsthand today was when my mum and I were driving back up the the, uh, freeway and I stopped at a service station. That's where they're really pushing them in the service stations, which makes sense, you know, because, you know, they weren't able to compete obviously with the fast food takeaway restaurants, but now they can. They've got these foods that have been, you know, put in a sort of semi-chilled area right at the front as you walk in and they're sitting there. And I said to my mum, look, I've got to keep eating these meals for the next two weeks because that's what I solely tried to live off. Okay. And um, my mum went, I said, you want one? And she goes, I'm not eating that. And my mum's 70-year-old. I said, what do you mean? And she goes, well, look at that shrunk wrapped plastic, that shriveled bit of chicken. She goes, it's not even properly cold. Yeah. She goes, how do, they, how do you not get sick from eating that? Yeah. It's not in the fridge properly. She goes, yeah. everyone knows chicken. You can't keep chicken out. Yeah. She goes, true. how many days has that been there for? Yeah, true. And I was like. Oh, true. So, how are they keeping the chicken? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I didn't realize that to my mum. My mum, and my mum, like, is 70 odd, as I said. So, she's not new age. No. And she goes, all that plastic, you're putting that in the microwave and you're zapping it with plastic. And yep. I'm like, I never thought of that. So, there's my first number one hack in itself. When you buy these prepackaged meals, whatever you do, pull them out of the plastic mm-hmm. and put them in proper cookware. Yep. Um, because that's really, really important. Because we know now, um, the plastic leaches into the food when you heat yeah, it. Yeah, the that environmental what it is? toxins. Yeah, mm. so it's not good for you at all. So the plastic will leak into the food. So it's it's a really scary concept because we now know that we're being bombarded with these xenoestrogens and all these chemicals that are really. Demasculizing men in particular, but one could argue they're toxic to everybody's body and can cause all sorts of, you know, Mm. health issues. So my mum was really smart there. And then, so when I went through the list and on some of these, you know, geez, you know what you eat, aren't you? Yeah. And the number of preservatives and additives. And, you know, look, you know, I'm on the fence with some of the, the, the bashing of, you know, artificial sweeteners and stuff. And I look, as far as I'm concerned, you know, a lot of these artificial sweeteners have been unfairly demonized. It's just my opinion. I always say, you know, no calories, no harm. Mm. You know, if you're on a diet, you're better off having something that, you know, has an artificial sweetener in it. There's pr- plenty of great natural ones out there now like monk fruit and, and different types of stevias and whatnot. Um, but um, you're much better off, I believe, doing that than having a can of Coke. Yeah. You know, you're much better off going the diet option and particularly, you know, for your health but also for your waistline. But yeah. when you start to go through that, the packages, you, you just can't believe Um You know, and they're hiding behind words too. And people that aren't food manufacturers like myself don't get it. When you write the word preservative or um, artificial flavor or whatnot, you can put any number of things into that category. What do you mean? Well, for example, if you wanted to put in something like MSG, they can hide it under artificial, um, yeah, preservatives, or they can hide it under
1: They don't have to itemize it. They
0: don't have to itemize it. Interesting. So it's really interesting. So you really don't know what you're taking in. So you're taking in a truckload of these things and they just put it under a number. And they put preservatives or they put, you know, oh. it's, it's its absolutely crazy. You and know? you know so. what,
1: it's an really interesting hack. If you eat something that has a number in it or some things like that, and look, from time to time, you've got to eat what you can eat. But notice what your body does and you might notice your hands will fidget. I notice my nose gets really itchy. Yeah, wow. And I'm, I scratch my nose and I think, oh, there's something in that that I'm like reacting to. It's your body's kind of way of saying... This, this is not right, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not liking it. Yeah. It's really interesting how your body is a map for how it's feeling compared to what you're eating. It's- Fascinating. It is
0: fascinating, and look, you know, we we get that feedback sometimes from people all the time that you know, a super super health conscious, and they'll say, "Oh, having a shake isn't a real food," and you know, there's an argument there in itself as well. However, the difference is is we're not saying that you know this is you know real chicken or real steak or yeah. you know it, it's it's a convenience play. You're just yeah. adding water to it, and there's all these other issues with these foods, which we'll dive into in a minute. Okay. But the reality is is we're not saying this is a hamburger or this is chicken because, like, when when they advertise, you know, these products, for example, um, there was one dish that I had which was a chicken dish and it contained less than 20% chicken in the whole dish. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and I've banged on about it before and it's my biggest gripe with a lot of these companies in the, the protein sector with bars and balls and whatnot. And they call them a protein ball, but protein might have eight grams of protein in the whole ball and yeah. then twenty eight grams of sugar. Yeah. Now by law, as far as I'm concerned, the number one ingredient should be sugar. the only thing you should be able to call that product. Yes. Should be a sugar ball. Yeah. <laughs> you're putting sugar in that and you're saying to somebody, you're eating a protein ball. No, you're yeah. not, mate. Yeah. You're eating yourself into a coma yeah. of you know, a diabetic sugar crash because yeah. it's just a sugar ball. It's yeah. got four times the amount of sugar in it than it has protein. So, you know, the government's got a huge responsibility. And mm-hmm. I've tried to call them out a couple of times. My wife and I yeah, your sat wife down, went down and, yeah. And, you know, look, there's too much lobbying and political interest to change labelling laws. So that's where I emphasise once again, pick up the bloody pack mm. and read it what's over. on the back. Flip it over, you know. So, and the, the other we thing... We should
1: start going to supermarkets and flipping all of the yogurts to be labelled inwards and, yeah. the, and, the, and the label out. Yeah, well, we that was finding... a
0: concerning thing with these frozen meals. I'll, I'll go into why I think frozen are much better than these chilled meals that we, we find, these ones that we've been talking about. But, um... You know, look, um, the other scary thing is outside the preservatives and and the additives and whatnot that they're using, but they're using a lot of lower quality product as well, particularly the oils. Um, We've spoken about in past episodes, like the dangers of cooking with certain oils because they they go... um, Rancid, mm-hmm. they have a you know a basically a a, a point where these oils um, become very very toxic to the human body. Um, so most mm. of them are going to use like canola oil or you know some sort of cheap oil like that rather than using virgin extra olive oil and and whatnot. So so that that's probably something that you want to look for on the back of the pack as well, seeing what type of oils that they're using. Mm. But the reason they do that is well, it, it increases shelf life and whatnot. But when I started to get a little bit extra nauseated apart from feeling bloated and not particularly um, satisfied from eating some of these meals. And and the other thing is a lot of them use uh, what we call in the food science industry meat glue. And oh, God.
1: Um, um, I'm, I'm regretting asking you to nah, do this
0: nah, episode. It's, 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 <laughs> like <there> is, like <laughs> I said to you, there's obviously good and bad and everything, like human beings and like yeah. every single product out there, but I'm just emphasising to people the amount of research, and this is where the convenience play gets a little bit, I suppose, tied Uh and it's not as convenient as you once thought because you're now going to have to make some effort and really dive into these ingredients and, you know, see how many ingredients because, I mean, if you go onto a website, let's, for example, Alex, let's dive on and I don't want to bag, you know, any products or anything like that unfairly. Um, But let's say, for example, go on to a particular brand, very popular brand, probably one of the most popular brands. And look, we're not going to lie. Like people aren't eating these foods because they want to lose weight and go on a diet. This was the meal that my wife wanted to try first, so it was the classic spaghetti and meatballs.
1: Okay. Spaghetti and meatballs. I've got to come back to the the, food, the meat glue thing, but we'll come back to that yeah, in a we'll minute. come back to it. All right. Rules. So, spaghetti and meatballs. So,
0: the number one ingredient, well, all right. First of all, I'd encourage you to look at the nutritional information panel. So, all right, you've got 500 odd calories in there. So, yeah, that's a fair few calories, but, you know, we're not here to make you be hungry. Um, the next thing I generally look for, the first thing I look for is the carbohydrates and sugar and the fats. So compare the two because it's what we alluded to before was the deadly double. Okay. Um, essentially, what happens is that uh, when your body consumes a huge amount of sugar and fat simultaneously, you get a release of insulin and then that fat is basically stored as fat. So that's why you always, you know, when you're on a particular diet, you've got to pick which horse you're going to bet on. Yes, calories in versus calories out is the most important factor when it comes to, to burning uh, fat as such because your body, even if you're on a keto diet or, you know, a vegan diet, whatever the diet is, if you're consuming more calories than you burn, you're going to get fat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pure thermodynamics. It's, yep. it's basic science. However, there are also other issues to consider when it comes to weight loss, and that is hormonal response. That is how do you feel? How hungry are you? Um, <laughs> you know, What what are these other drivers that, you know, can be affected by the types of calories that you ingest? Mm -hmm. So, that's why when it gets very technical is how do you combine, food combining is a real science in itself. And that's why I say get on, you know, the food train, you know, start your meal with protein Mm -hmm. and then fiber and Mm -hmm. then, you know, your fats and then your carbohydrates if you must have them or you know, vice versa, fats or carbohydrates. But I say to people, pick which team you're going to be on, you know. Like, try to be moderate in both. But if you're consuming a high-fat meal, it's not smart to have a high amount of carbohydrates at the same time. Okay, good Because hat. of that hormonal response from the insulin, okay. which drives the fat. And is
1: that what this pasta dish is doing?
0: Well, it does do it because, unfortunately, it's, um, you know, it's got uh, uh, well over 20 grams of fat in it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's got uh, a healthy serve of carbohydrates of 51 grams. Um, now, this is only a 340 gram serve, mind you, too. It's not like it's huge. Mm. 340 grams. So um, and then protein comes in um, a sad last at 21 grams, um, where I argue that protein should be the hero from yep. a macronutrient point of view. If you're trying to load your plate up, yep. I would I would always be looking for a larger serve of my food coming from protein. Now, there's a lot of um argument in the industry because there's a lot of dinosaurs in the industry. And you know, you've gone to the universe. you've got to understand this too. And look, I don't have an ego. I realize my university degrees, I, I, they're not even worth wiping my backside with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make me any smarter or better than anybody else. Yeah. Um, and like I talk about health all the time, it's our own journey. We've got to find out what works it's for me. constantly evolving. It doesn't work for you. Yeah. That's the thats the most interesting thing about this space is it's about self-discovery. Yeah. It's about finding your own path. It's about finding what works for you. Nothing's good or bad. Mm. It's relative to you. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can look at it from a scientific point of view and go, oh, that's got too many calories, too much fat, too much sugar. Well, you know what? A young, fit person may be able to not have any metabolic adverse effects from this. Mm -hmm. Whereas a type two diabetic that eats this meal, oh, Mm. good luck to you, you know what I mean? And someone with high blood pressure, for example, eating these ready-to-make meals, well, we know that the dangers of too much um, sodium Mm. has, on people with um, high blood pressure and, you know, a risk of cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. And some of these meals have five times the amount of the recommended daily intake of sodium, which is between 1,500 milligrams to 2,000, depending on who you listen to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, which is, you know, about a tablespoon of salt. But remember, there's different qualities of salt too. Sea salt's different, um, you know, to to normal salt, you know. So it it has a totally different effect on the body. So going back to the the, the macronutrient breakdown of this product, um, it well and truly ticks that double deadly combination that I spoke to you about earlier which is the high levels of fat and sugar combined and then the sodium comes in at a whopping
1: 1700 milligrams right. so you know the photo that, looks nice though it's a good photo yeah, well it the photo looks great but <laughs> I know it's a podcast sodium, but like that, that's one just, 300 gram good looking bowl of pasta
0: yeah and that's only one 300 gram yeah. serve now I can tell you now you cook your own and your sodium's not going to be anything near that you know it's just so much easier but then you have a look at the ingredients this which is my number two piece of advice is number one ingredient what would you suspect it would be if it's pasta.
1: For carbohydrate. Pasta. pasta you'd pasta, expect pasta. Right.
0: What is it? Pasta's not even in the top. I can't even see pasta in the top five. Fair um, It's Was tomato it sauce.
1: Uh, and then that equals sugar.
0: Yeah. And then it's tomato juice. Uh-huh. And then it's acid regulator.
1: Yeah. Uh, what is an acid regulator?
0: Oh, uh, that's a good question. So it's a chemical that that's basically put into the products to help with shelf life and preserve okay. and preserve is that bad the for product. Then,
1: or is it just something you going to have to use to keep it on the look, shelf?
0: Look, I mean, any pre-packaged products are all going to have to use these sort of. Yeah. Look,
1: you know, at me I'm still trying things. to find it out. You yeah, think no, no, but, no, but yeah. like
0: you know, <laughs> antioxidant 300 is the other one. You know, so yeah. parmesan cheese powder. So, you know, the, these their powders basically the cheese that you know lasts for an extended period of time. So mm. I'm still looking now for the pasta. I just. <laughs> I mean, I'm not being rude. I'm just trying to find it. You know, it's like tomato paste contains uh, – <laughs> yeah, it's just – I just keep going down. Food yep. acids, um, beef-flavoured stock, colour, 150, food acid 300. And that brings again down to – Where the to, hell is the pasta? I'm to, just throwing my head in. Wait a sec. Uh, milk, soybean, spaghetti. There we go. There we go. We finally found it, Alex, under the about ingredient 100, I think it was. <laughs> so well done. So, and then after that, beef meatball. Hey, 16% beef. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and that's so, so
1: interesting, Adam, because if I'm going to make a pasta, right, hmm. the sauce is going to be more of a coating rather than the main ingredient. Like if I'm getting meatballs, I'm, I'm getting some mince and an egg and some herbs, rolling that up, put them in the pan, then I'm cooking pasta. And then what, you get a bottle of like pureed tomatoes and then you mix all that together. But if it's like some, if I said, I'm just going to get one litre of sauce and then put a couple of meatballs in and like four bits of pasta, you're going to go, why would you cook me this, mate? That'd be the worst dinner (laughs) party ever. No one would ever come back.
0: Yeah, and once again, like like I said here, food is very complex and and very scientific. That's why food scientists exist. And that's why, you know, we work with them in my business because they're very smart people and they understand that we want things that are hyperpalatable, taste really good. And there's smart ways of doing that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just knowing how to combine certain chemicals and getting a reaction, you know, can elicitate, you know, that real sense of pleasure and and joy um, without using a lot of the ingredients. So, and even they're very smart with the way they even put pictures up of these, you know, meals as well. The hero of the, the picture is what? The meatball.
1: Yeah, You know, so... I'm on top.
0: But, you know, as we found, just reading through some of them ingredients, I lost. didn't read out one third of what was in front of that pasta because I didn't want everyone to fall asleep listening to the yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it's quite interesting. And, and going back to, you were asking originally before about the uh, the meat glue. So there are a lot of products out there that use, you know, really good select cuts of, of, of the beef and the chickens and free range and whatnot. Um, how they keep them semi-chilled and, you know, palatable and not getting food poisoning, well, you want to let your mind not think about that with what they inject into some of these things but um, you know they really bulk up a lot of the meat because as you could see that only made up 16 percent of that meal mm. meatball pasta mm. um, you yeah, know it was the hero ingredient supposedly um, and it's um it's a, it's a product which is um, trans and you um, it's basically short for meat glue they call it and it's a super strength enzyme which bonds and slabs of raw meat together so they just become one mm. solid slab right so um sounds really tasty i know um, but uh, <laughs> is that
1: what they is that what those spinning kebab things are made like that, Was that or they I, I don't know i don't know, I don't know. Like I, I'm but at
0: 3 like... o'clock in the morning i've never really cared so <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't really yeah, care. Neither, I don't time. mind it
1: at 3am. Yeah, I'm
0: eating it. I don't want some bald skinny bloke from the health hackers telling me, mate, don't eat that because it's, it's packed full of meat glue. Yeah, just uh, eat it. Just yeah. eat it, yeah. You know? <laughs> 3am. The damage that, you know, you've yeah. already done with <laughs> you've the, had a the good beers. Night. And what, well, yeah, that's night. what I like about you, yeah. Adam. You're
1: like 80 percent of, yeah. of the time. Look after yourself. And if you have a oh, blowout,
0: enjoy it. Mate, enjoy it. I don't want to be getting in your head. There's a big difference between that and what we're doing now is that people are trying to position themselves into believing that these are actually healthy for you. And as I yes. said... The devil's in the details. Some of these meals aren't too bad. Fresh is always going to be best. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other one that sort of made me a little bit nauseated as well was the um, that some of these products actually use additives made from human hair. So um, oh. I'm going to be out of work if they tried to use me. <laughs> so, so it was really, really scary. Like L-cysteine, which is a naturally occurring substance, um, which comes – when I say naturally occurring, it actually comes from feathers and pig brussels and even human hair, um, which a 2016 study claimed originates um, from barbershops um, in China. So okay. this is really interesting. Okay. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So, when you're sitting down and, you know, you're having one of these frozen meals or whatever, one of these prepackaged meals or all other sort of prepackaged foods, you could just be eating the hair from some young man from Shanghai or <laughs> – Beijing. All right. Okay. So let, let me let me let me cut <laughs> no, to the chase. No, but it's really interesting, and like they even did like chicken breasts. They found contained a compound that they use in um, <laughs> uh, breast implants. So um, yeah, if you're looking to plump up your your, your breast area, oh, that's that, right. Yeah. They inject
1: them to make them look yeah, like coffee,
0: right. They yeah. That so look, there's a million of these surveys that you know are in, a, are in different ones, and there's a lot that aren't. Using these products, so we need to say that as well. And yeah, you, know, you touched upon it before: the toxins in the plastic trays, um, you know, they're vacuum sealed, you know, with transparent film. Um, they inject these these tubs essentially with nitrogen um, that mimics the air that's found in the atmosphere to help keep the uh, the uh, the products um, fresh as such. But um, once again, you know, um, it's something that I would always do is take anything out of plastic. Into a into a dish because you just don't want to be doubling up on these toxins. So,
1: what about things like prepackaged sandwiches? I know that's always a helpful thing. Is this the kind of the same slippery slope where we don't know the quality of the bread, we don't know the quality of the chicken, all these kind of things? Uh, that, of
0: course, yeah. yeah. That, that's you know because
1: it, you think that's not. I'm not heating that up. That's just sitting there. But then maybe that's what your mum was saying. Going well, how long that chicken been sitting there for?
0: Yeah, and like you know. Uh, an you know, investigation, for example, that like looked at even different sandwiches, for example, we spoke about it earlier, but I don't know if you recall, there was a scandal about the, the supermarket bread um, that was being flown out from Ireland. Yeah, they, you know, it had yeah. been months yeah. sitting, you know, in transit to get there. And, yeah, you know, that's the other thing is when you're eating these meals, you aren't eating international meals. They're lean cuisine meals from around the world because, you know, the other interesting statistic that jumped out at me was the number of ingredients, you know, that was um, – from different origins, like there was a pizza that I looked at, and it had um, it had food that had come like thirty five ingredients that had been passed through sixty different countries. Wow. So you got thirty five ingredients, and these ingredients had passed through sixty different countries. And we think about
1: COVID, right? <laughs> oh. That's touching a lot of hands, a lot of packaging, oh. a lot of this, mate. Well, that's that's
0: that's really interesting in itself when you talk about that. You know, that one of the highest causes of foodborne um, viruses is the contamination during the preparation phase. Mm. Um, a lot of research has shown that, you know, it plays a huge role in the transmission of these um, foodborne viruses. And, you know, it's a really serious thing because when, when you think about it, like if somebody touches the food um, with their hands, the contaminated hands um, – it contaminates the food. And, you know, you're talking about things like hepatitis, mm. and we've seen that with the blueberry scandal
1: mm. um, in supermarkets. People also, And also because they're kept cold so it keeps the virus alive. Because viruses, yeah. I mean, you look at scientists, they're not yeah. keeping viruses in the oven. They're keeping them in, in cryovac-cold things. So if it's going to be cold, it's going to last longer. We did this when we talked about the coronavirus in yeah, one of our episodes.
0: 100%. And, you know, and um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just scary when you, you start to have a look at um, – you know, the, the occurrences of these foodborne illnesses in themselves, that the uh, the safety of some of these ready-to-eat meals, you know, like I said, that's why for me, you know, um, I'd always go frozen over these chilled meals. That's mm-hmm. just my preference at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you have a look at, um, you know, the, the ready-to-eat foods basically rely on the acidic conditions, you know, in the food um, to stop these pathogens from forming. So they don't like that acidic environment, pathogens, you know, viruses. So, um you know, but there's a lot of bacterias out there, um, salmonella, E. coli, there's a heap of them that actually thrive and survive under these acidic conditions as well. So that's that's scary in itself mm. when you think about it, like, you know, most of the deadly foodborne illnesses aren't really, you know, quashed under these acidic conditions. So while food manufacturers are trying to do a great job, um, you know, it's really, really scary that, um, you know, the most deadly, you know, foodborne illness and um, food uh, pathogen as such really thrives under that condition. So it's pretty scary.
1: The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. So Adam, we obviously know top tier is cook it yourself, buy good quality food. But sometimes in life you're busy or you're on the road or whatever it may be. If you are going to have a pre-prepared meal, did you find any that would, were doable or are there any other options for convenience that you think are more helpful like those companies that send you all the separate ingredients and you make it yourself? So the, the two parts of that question, yeah, yeah. if you have to get a pre-prepared meal, were there any at all that were okay? And secondly, what do you think of those pre-packaged companies that send you the ingredients that you would then assemble?
0: Yeah, so going back to that, so if you have a look at the different classes um, of the meals, I really, really did like uh, I'll give my plug, uh, Marley Spoon, um, HelloFresh. Mm-hmm. I found that a much better option for me. Yep. I, I just found that it was real food. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm actually preparing real food. Yep. And I, I got some great recipes from them as well, which was great for me. Uh, um cool. My – Preference, though, is – and they're really – I believe that this industry won't look like it looks like today in the next five years. Like it or not, the big multinationals with the oligopoly power, like your big supermarket chains, yeah. are sitting back and just watching how bloody lazy we are uh-huh. and how we want convenience. I understand that now. So, you know, they're moving more more and more effectively, even into supermarkets, to basically cut all the vegetables for you and have a piece of meat in the same packet of vegetables where you can just go and actually cook it yourself. Yeah. So I, I that's, do see a that lot is of that. my preference. Now, I won't lie to you. I buy prepackaged vegetables mm-hmm. in the fresh section of the supermarkets, and they're so bloody easy. Mm. And from a cost perspective as well, you know, I'm getting a lot more vegetables. So that's the hack that I'm going to give some hacks at the end of how to, you know, I suppose pimp up these meals. Mm-hmm. But I, I just like the fact that I can make sure that the first ingredient I'm putting into my meal is the actual ingredient. Yep. Not something that, you know, is on a pitcher on the front of the pack. And then I find it a hundred <laughs> ingredients later down the list. Yes. Um, I can control that. So I like for me, you know, and it worked out cost wise it was about 30% the cost compared to these, you know, chilled meals to go and buy a packet of vegetables, which you usually get three to four serves out of, mm-hmm. and then, you know, a do piece it, of meat. Do you mean
1: like when it's like a pack of like mixed, um, I don't know, cut carrots and broccoli and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, Frozen or, you know. Stir fry
0: vegetables, yeah. you know, there's superfood vegetables. There's a million vegetables mm-hmm. out there, a million salads. Mm-hmm. You know, you're probably paying about, you know, $8 a kilo, mm-hmm. you know, so when you work out, you know, in these meals, if you're going to buy these chilled meals or these frozen meals, like you're not even getting 50 grams of vegetables. Yeah. So and you're paying maths. $10 a meal. So do the maths, you know, yeah. so- you're not getting anywhere near the amount of fiber that you need. And we know how important fiber is for gut health, which is so important for our overall health and well-being. So my number one priority would be learn how to go to the supermarket, be lazy, pick up these prepackaged vegetables that you can buy, Mm. throw them in the microwave, it's the same thing, Mm. and buy yourself a bloody George Foreman grill or a griller or whatever and just throw a piece of meat on. Even if you don't want to be that, um, I suppose, (laughs) um, self-sufficient, go buy a barbecue chicken. Yeah. You know, like 10 bucks. It's the yeah. best value item God, in a I supermarket. A it's the best value item in the supermarket. Yeah. I can get six meals out of a barbecue chicken. Yeah. And yeah. it's like yeah, you nine get a bucks. the next day. And it's nine bucks. Yeah. So I'm getting six meals out of one barbecue chicken for mm. nine bucks. Yeah. And
1: they give you organic options or 100%, RSPCA approved 100% approved. 100 yeah. And the other hack is
0: you want a really healthy, easy way to actually eat meals that you prepare at home? Get yeah. a thermos. Oh, yeah. Get a thermos. Yeah. Thermos keeps the food warm for eight to 12 hours. Yeah. So, you know, you don't even have to heat it up at work. Yeah. It's already cooked. Yeah. Get your chicken, throw it in there, yeah. your vegetables, throw it in your firmus, take it to work. Yeah. That's what I do with my kids at school now. They've got a firmus so yeah. they can actually eat meatballs for lunch. Yeah, smart. So they, you know, rather than having a crappy Vegemite sandwich. Yeah. So a firmus is a great way. <laughs> so I'm going not get any money off Fermo or whoever the bloody hell makes these yeah. things but it's a great hack. Yeah. So, you know, and it's much more convenient because you don't have to reheat food, it's already warm for you, so it's perfect. So that argument is void as far as I'm concerned. So number one, I would start to look in supermarket for these things, but if you're someone that's busy and doesn't get time to come home, I would then go the other options, which are the meal kits sent to your home, yep. which are the fresh produce. Yep. Then I would go the frozen. And I'll, I'll fully disclaim here and I probably shouldn't say i get a kick in the head from my chief financial officer. But look, I had a huge opportunity to go into these meals. And at the time, I just didn't think that it was what I believed in as it's, such. It'll, because it be just didn't align yeah. with what I wanted to do at the moment. Yep. It's not the business I wanted to be in. Yep. I'm not saying it's not a good business. I'm not saying that it doesn't help people. Look, there's some real positives to these meals. And, you know, if you use them smartly in the right ones, they can be really good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but my preference would be a frozen meal, you know, over these. Meals that are, are semi-chilled. Yep. Um, for a number of reasons, we went over about you know how does chicken survive out of the fridge you yes. know for days on end and you know what not what not and doesn't have as many preservatives because uh, when you consider we've done this in a previous episodes when when frozen meals are, are frozen. Um, they're snap frozen at their peak of nutrition. Yeah. At
1: the source, they used to at say. At the source, like they, yeah. They pick them, like let's say like peas or something, yep. they picked at the farm and usually frozen there or not close, by, not close, not that long after.
0: Yeah, that's right. So it's what they call flash freezing. And it's just basically a process of freezing produce so quickly that ice crystallizes. And then what happens as a result of the ice crystallizing, um, it can cause damage to the cell membranes which don't form and it locks in the freshness and protects the essential vitamins and minerals in that product. Super. So it's really interesting in itself. So, you know, whereas refrigerated meals, by contrast, there are no rules on what can be classified as fresh. So they can say they're fresh. Mm. Like my mum said, when they're sitting in a bit of plastic, under bright lights,
1: mm.
0: you know, and a million people are touching them. That's the other thing that I don't like too. People pick it up and, yeah. you know, i, I that's yeah. why I buy meat from a butcher. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm not seeing someone walk around for an hour in a supermarket, put the meat back because the kids are
1: Man, having a meltdown. Honestly, and I challenge anyone. <laughs> I did this. Yeah. I went to a butcher and I bought a cut of pork and yep. I went to the supermarket and I bought a cut of pork, right? Granted, they are, it is more expensive at the butcher and I did a taste test and my my word, it was leaps and bounds better from the butcher. Not even slightly better. It was phenomenally better. Yeah. So it's a good little test, I reckon. It do is a that. great
0: test. And, mm. you know, look, look at the meat in supermarkets as well. Generally, it's in plastic yeah. and it's being sold,
1: yeah.
0: you know, cryovac and whatnot. So, you know, and you consider like, you know, how do you think your food gets to you in the first place? When the fishermen go out on the fishing trawlers, you know, they'll sit out there for two weeks at sea mm. with the fish on the ice. Yeah that just shows how great it is. Like lamb from New Zealand, for example, it'll take six weeks to reach some places, yep. you know? So, um, and it's it's just frozen in transit, um, but then it's defrosted and sold as fresh. Oh.
1: So that, that's why,
0: you know, you know.
1: Frozen's good because it's always frozen. It's always
0: frozen, you know? Mm. So, and that's why, you know, chilled foods and, and, and um, you know, so-called fresh foods are more expensive. They're going to have a much shorter shelf life. Yeah. You can... Understand how much of this stuff goes to waste. So, um that, that would be my first option is, you know, how, you, you know, without being disrespectful, most of these meals, main ingredient is rice. Mm. Go buy yourself a cup of bloody pre microwave rice mm. for 50 cents or a dollar yeah. and throw that in the microwave, yeah.
1: add a bit of tuna. You know, Got add it. some vegetables, frozen. Seriously, if you've never bought a rice cooker, yeah. they're about 10 bucks. How good are they? And you throw a cup of rice in. I always put too much rice yeah, in and yeah. I've gone, well, I've cooked too much because I yeah. always go, oh, that's one cup. It's nowhere near enough. You put one cup of rice in, one cup of water in, you flip the switch, you go and watch see what the score is in the footy. You come back and it's ready. Like it's the best thing ever.
0: Mate, and if you try to cook it in the microwave, rice it just doesn't work. No,
1: my mate lives in oh. Indonesia and rice is every single meal. He Because I said to him, I used to cook rice in the pot because I want to be like, like, you know, he's like, mate, I live in Asia. He said, even the best restaurants just use rice cookers because it's really, really easy and it's really efficient and it uses the right amount of water. He's like, don't be an
0: idiot. And for anyone out there worried about their waistline as well, it's a hack that was shared before, is just basically try to increase the resistant starch, which essentially you know, stops as many calories from being petitioned um, and stored as fat and basically creates more of this resistant starch which the body can't break down by taking that rice out of the rice cooker, putting it in the fridge for about 12 hours and then just reheating the rice. Yep. And, um, you know, your waistline will certainly get a, a, a amazing a thing from that. Yeah, to but, cook uh, the rice
1: you want tomorrow, today.
0: Yeah, 100%. So, you know, my, my, my final tips on this are, you know, always go fresh is best. Um, try to pick food as close to its natural source as you can. So that's where these boxed meals are much better. Then go frozen, um, and then if you have to go these chilled meals as such. But make sure when you go any of these meals, the chill that are coming in a pack for any food, read the nutritional information panel, then look at the list of ingredients. If it's bloody too long and it's an essay, yep. run away. Yes, but you know, and then see where that that produce that's on the front of the pack, fits into the actual food chain. I think
1: they have to list it in order of what's the most predominant ingredient, right? Yeah,
0: and they can get away with tricky little techniques. But like most of it's Proprietary blends and they can right. label stuff bulk under, you mm-hmm. know, put, you know, you know, they can hide things. They're very, very clever. And, you know, it's mind-blowing when you're in this industry that you realise they allow for errors on, you know, nutritional information panels so they can say that they've got, you know, much less calories in something than it actually has to make you feel better. So you go, oh, I'm not going to get too fat from eating that chocolate bar. Mm. But there's an error. It's an average, you know, <laughs> um, calorie calculation that they use. So, you know, make sure that if you have to get one of these chilled meals that you then add more frozen vegetables to it. That's a good hack in itself. Yeah, nice one. So go and do that. Um, you know making sure that you're picking one, that the hero on the back is protein. Yep. So we want to make sure that, you know, that um, we're getting enough protein. You know, that Dr. Gabriel Line, there's a lot of great smart people out there. You know, Dr. Bill Campbell from America. And as I was talking about before, you know, with my university degrees, you know, these people that are living and breathing it and researching it every single day are making, you know, anyone that's gone to university who isn't currently in the trenches redundant because, mm. you know, so much more information and money is being spent on research now. And it's just like the daily recommended... Um, Around protein, for example, uh, even the CSIRO now have come out and said it's roughly, I think from memory, about one point six grams of protein per a,
1: kilo, of, but yeah, you know, a and body weight.
0: Yeah. Whereas you know before it was a quarter of that, and yeah. there's a lot of dietitians, unfortunately still operating on that, opera this um, uh, memorandum saying, oh, you should only eat this amount of protein. Yeah. And I'm like, mate, that was in 1960. Yeah. Get with the times. Yeah. You know, The reality is, new research is out. And, you know, um, and N equals one in the sense from a scientific point of view, they know that the best experiment is on yourself. Mm. So if you find upping your protein um, stops you from overeating and, and you know, because that's the key. If you want to lose weight, if we go back to losing weight, the key is not overeating. Yep. That is the key. It's and as you, simple as that. You
1: told us this great thing. I, I forget which episode was in, but to recap, it was about eating protein, essentially puts the handbrake on your brain telling you you're full. Yeah. But if you're eating carbs, you can get through a lot more carbs and, and rice and pasta before your brain starts going full and puts the handbrake on yeah, and tells you to stop. It's yeah. a really good hack. And, and you said this great example. You were like, if I tell you to eat a massive bowl of pasta, you can do it. If yeah. I tell you to eat eight steaks, you can't you do can't it. do it. And I was like, that's a good so It's a protein
0: leveraging hypothesis. And, and you know, it's, oh, okay. there, there's a scientific <laughs> hypothesis around it that's basically saying that, you know, the, 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 the sensory systems in our body that um, crave food and, and regulate appetite and whatnot will continue to operate and make us crave and make us feel the sensation of hunger until our nutritional requirements are met. And protein is is a key requirement. So if you're not getting enough protein and you have deficiencies in certain minerals and and um Um, different things that your body will continue to crave and that's why you will continue to overeat. And that's why, you know, a lot of these, you know, processed foods as such are devoid um, in nutrients. So, therefore, your body keeps craving until it gets its fix of these nutrients Mm. but at the expense of how many calories because they're very calorie dense. I get it. Yeah, it's very, very – and they're there to hijack your brain and whatnot. So, you know, make sure that, um, you know – you're buying these things, make sure protein is the hero in these meals. And there are some of these meals out there, they're bloody boring, but they're their hero products. Mm. So if you're gonna buy the chilled packaged meals, hero. and that's the thing that makes me laugh when I did this as well. It was like I was looking on there going, okay, which meal will I eat tonight? Oh, I might eat a masaman curry, or I might try a red cut. I might yeah. foods I would never bloody make or yeah. cook. But how good that is the, was the other? That curry? But how good is it? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I'm conning myself into believing that it's healthy for me. And I'm going, if I'm i like, is there really many good healthy curries out there? Not really. Is there really many good pizzas? Mm, No. Many (laughs) like high rice dishes, we know that that's not the case. But for some reason, we trick ourselves into believing, Mm. oh, it must be healthy, you know. But um, so, yeah, I'd I'd also watch the salt. As I said before, a lot of them are really packed with salt. And, um, you know, that'd be my free sort of, you know, tips on how to hack these meals yourself.
1: Adam, I didn't realize it when I said this to you, that A, I'd make you eat prepackaged food for two weeks and B, it would be so much more in-depth than I thought. But that is why you're the health hacker. I appreciate it, mate. Always a pleasure, Alex. Remember, if you want to ask Adam a question directly, and we do a lot more Q&A episodes because we love actually giving you something that would help you, email him, healthhacker at themanshake.com.au, jump onto The Manshake socials or head on to Adam's website, themanshake.com.au. And uh, he's always sending out prize packs to people who get involved with the podcast. We'll speak to you on the next one. The Health Hacker. Written and presented by Adam McDougall. Produced and presented by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson.
0: Listener.